Hello, my name is Gabriel White, and welcome to another episode of the Trial Lawyers Podcast. Um, I am with the law firm of White and Garner, and today we're going to be presenting you with some content that's a little different from what you may have heard before. Um, we decided a while ago that a couple of us would record, um, we call them rants, but basically it's uh, us venting about things in the law or, or, or in the legal practice that uh, just drive us crazy. And of course, uh, because we're, um, you know, my, it was myself and Scott Powers of the law firm of Snow Christians and Martineau, because we're unreasonable people, um, it was really fun because we got really passionate over um, some of the smaller things that kind of get in the way of practice going well. So first you're going to hear Scott Powers, and then um, I will go ahead and introduce my own rant. Please enjoy. So today, Scott Powers is going to do his rant. Go Scott. I think people need to comply with deadlines. I know it's like the pot cutting the kettle. Yeah, the pot calling the kettle black sometimes, because I don't ever always make it to all of my deadlines without an extension. But it drives me nuts. I feel like nine times out of ten, you'll get a case management order in a case, regardless of its size, and people kind of just grin and, and and look at each other and nod, knowing full well that no one's going to do anything until the penultimate week and or month and or day. Of, of the fact discovery period and then at that point everyone's going to talk about how busy they've been and why they couldn't do anything and hey let's get a new case management order and let's set some dates for that. And a case management order for those uninitiated is the, uh, the order whether it's automatic or otherwise in the court that tells everyone when they're supposed to do stuff. And in, in state court in Utah for example as soon as you have an answer filed uh, responsive pleading, it, it, typically it uh, it will be entered by the court and dates will go on file automatically and you've got a certain period to do your fact discovery and expert discovery uh, is tacked onto that. Um, but again, what people seem to do, and this is the basis of my crazy rant here, is uh, treat the first fact discovery period as a, as a warm-up period where no one does anything until the very end, like I said. And it, it's annoying. I mean, I feel like they submit their disclosures and then they just kind of take a breather for a couple of months. And then when it's time to uh, uh, get to the end of the originally designated fact discovery period, then they start to get serious about the case because the pending deadline, which was to end fact discovery, is now forcing them to actually think about the case. So that drives me nuts. Just if you get to file a case and you're the plaintiff, specifically you guys, <clears throat> You gotta, you gotta move. You gotta make it happen. Now, I haven't been adverse to your firm, so I can't say that you've ever been guilty of this. But uh, there are other firms uh, that do it as a regular practice, and it, it ain't cool, kids. Yeah, yeah, it's like playing t-ball here. It's not even, it's not even a slow pitch. It's, it's, it is like t-ball because I'm just letting you, I'm just letting you say what you feel, Powers. Search your feelings, my son. Do I do I have to stay on this same topic? I mean, I've got plenty of other issues. Go like, ahead. What's with Ogden? Hey, no, Rob, I mean, does, Rand, does the, does the bar not Ogden. apply when you're in Ogden? <laughs> Tell us about that. It's like, ah, rules of civil procedure don't apply anymore. It's like Thunderdome up there sometimes. How is Ogden like Thunderdome? Two men enter, one man leaves. 
And we, of course, are talking about the sequel to Mad Max, a movie by uh, Mel Gibson that included Tina Turner. And bringing it back full circle, I feel sometimes like if I go to court in Ogden, it would, it's, a it's like going into the Thunderdome. And there are people what? hanging was, from the ceiling and shrieking. So... They're making fuel out of pig poo. It's it's chaos. It's I, I madness mean, up there sometimes. You're making me want to Not always. Movie. Sometimes. Fuel out of pig poo. That's impressive. Yeah, sometimes I want to get on Gabe's back and we can be Master Nothing. Blaster. He'll right. be like the big baby-faced uh, hulking guy and I'll be the little tiny guy that tells him what to do. Master Blaster. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, this is excellent content from the Trial Lawyers podcast. That's but follow your dang so deadlines, people. And also, Ogden, get your stuff together. Come on. So, from Powers, follow your Denise deadlines, and Ogden, you're on notice. Scott Powers knows who you are, oh, and, he's, and he's out to find you. <laughs> All right. Thank you. Okay, that was Scott Powers' rant, and now I'm going to bravely put forward my own rantings. Um... Please take this all with a grain of salt. Uh, I think sometimes we get uh, worked up over stuff that isn't that big a deal, but um, it's kind of fun to uh, vent, and uh, hopefully it's enjoyable for you to listen to us venting. Um, And so, without further ado, here is my rant. And that rant is going to be about other lawyers who think that personal injury law is easy. There's an old joke amongst uh, lawyers where the, they say the A students become um, professors, the B students become judges, and the C students be- make millions doing personal injury law. The idea that it doesn't require a special skill set to do personal injury law is probably one of the most dangerous fallacies in the law and we here at the firm have seen it in action a few times because we've tried to train several people in the practice of personal injury law and the reality is is that the the basic legal concepts may be fairly straightforward i mean we most of our complaints are based in negligence um, which has four elements and we plead those over and over but there are so many nuances. There's so many individual requirements that have to be met and strategies for getting the defense to respond and to make settlement offers and to be you know, open with their insureds and not just with their insurers about the... Um, you know, exposure that they face, that um, it's clear that, you know, personal injury law is by far not the simplest of the practice areas because you're essentially, you know, we take contingency fees on almost every case that we do, which means that we're essentially gambling with our own money on every single case. We won't take a case unless we think we could win it at trial simply because we know that there are defense company, insur- defense lawyers and insurance companies out there who may force us to trial even if it's a case that should be settled because they think they can get a better outcome. And we know that 
if we are forced to travel, we better be ready to put up or shut up. Otherwise, we're going to lose a lot of money because we have to invest an incredible amount of money in order to get to trial. I mean, personal injury law, far from being the easiest practice area, is probably one of the most risky and the most difficult because you have to be the private equity firm of the case. I mean, you're taking essentially an interest in the case, in the outcome of the case, and in exchange, you are, you know, doing a lot of the strategy together with the client and helping them to build up the best possible case that they could. And, you know, if that succeeds, if you go to verdict and you get a good verdict or you go to a settlement conference and you get a good settlement, then we wind up with a one-third contingency fee. And oftentimes, you know, sometimes, not oftentimes, but sometimes the clients are like, well, why am I giving you one-third of this fee? Well, the reason is is because at the beginning of the case, I took the chance that I would get nothing for all of my work, whereas in hourly cases, I get paid every month on an hourly basis from a retainer, 300 bucks an hour, and I don't have to worry about whether or not the case is going to go well, whether or not the witnesses are going to say what I think they're going to say, and and then, you know, base that, base my ability to pay my mortgage off of, well, okay, here's what here's what I think these witnesses are going to say, here's what I think they're going to do. Rather, I have to t be willing to take that risk and take it on myself and take it on my firm. And, you know, that's one of the reasons why we have really strict rules at the firm as to who is allowed to kind of green light cases. And also, it's one of the reasons why we have long discussions with the client at the beginning of the case about why we're a little more invested in the case than your normal attorney would be is because we actually live or die based on the outcome and you know in our opinion the client can trust us perhaps a little more than your average hourly attorney because our success or failure is directly correlated to their to their success or failure I mean our our ships are basically tied you know, are, are lashed together here in this storm, and we've got to go forward and do that. And so that puts an incredible amount of pressure on the personal injury attorney to know what he's doing, he or she is doing, and to know how to handle all of the various little tricks that defense counsel may put out, that the insurance company may put out, and figuring all that out is not easy. It's not C student material. Okay, this is a student material and it's you know it's champion poker player material I mean this is this is something that people should not get involved in unless they're willing to really put their chips on the table and be willing to you know I hate to use the word gamble because we we have a lot more information than you would at a typical for example typical Texas Hold'em game but essentially, you know, there are a lot of unknowns when we take a case and all the way up until, you know, the client has actually testified, there are often unknowns. And, you know, for people to assume that 
it's just a quick road to wealth is a quick road to ruin. And ladies and gentlemen, that is my rant. Well, that is all the content we have uh, to annoy you or entertain you with today, depending on your perspective. But we thank you for listening. This has been the Trial Lawyers Podcast. If you like what you hear, please uh, let us know either on iTunes or on the website that hosts the podcast. That's www.saltlaketrialattorney.com. And for all of us here at the Trial Lawyers Podcast, we say thank you for listening and have a good one. <laughs>